Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming. Action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. With the fire hose of streaming content these days, it's almost impossible to catch it all, much less review it. In an attempt to keep up to date, I post at least one review a day on Sifter. Sometimes I'll even merge two or three shows with similar themes to cram it all in. I've been airing two Sifter reviews every week since 2013 on WRIR, and the ones I review on Sifter for the Ear are yet another opportunity for me to share my experiences. And so none of it was done on a soundstage. It was all done on location. None of it was done on a soundstage. Wow. Well, that's a challenge. And not to mention the heat. They started filming in August and it was hot. You know, we all know that that we love our air condition, right? But down there, they don't have air condition. And so that house would just bake uh, because of all of the light. It was quite the challenge. That was Gigi Rios New, one of the writers on The Garcias, talking about visiting the set in Mexico. The Garcias was just released on HBO Max and features the characters from the Nickelodeon teen sitcom called The Brothers Garcia, which ran from 2000 to 2004, and was the first English-language comedy with an all-Latin cast and creative team, including Gigi. We also talk about her journey from Richmond to L.A. and some of the other shows and movies she's written. Sifter Review of the Week Everything, everywhere, all at once. Michelle Yeoh stars as a Chinese immigrant who owns a laundromat. When she and her hubby go to the IRS, featuring Jamie Lee Curtis as a frumpy auditor, things get extremely weird. Yeoh's character ends up in multiverses, fighting to save the universe from destruction. This is not a Marvel-based superhero adventure, but a zany trip through several realities with confusing connections. These parts are crazy fun, and the frenzied martial arts moments propel the film. However, there's lots of metaphysical mumbo-jumbo that slows the momentum. There are also attempts at emotional family connections that don't resonate. This is the second feature from Daniels, the directing duo whose first film was Swiss Army Man. An excerpt from my review of that film applies to this one as well. A highly original and rollickingly weird premise that gets bogged down with too much message. I gave it three and a half out of five stars. Gigi, I cannot remember the last time we actually saw each other in the flesh. Oh my gosh. I think I was with the production company way back then. Footnote. The production company was created by Richmond actors and directors, and they performed in various venues around the city during the late 80s. Then I was with them only for like a season because I immediately then moved to Chicago. So it's been a long time. It's been a while, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now let me ask you this. We knew you, and I knew you all these years as Gigi New. Now your name is Gigi Rios New. Where did that come from? Okay, so for a while, everybody would think that I was Asian because, and they would spell my name in you. Ah. And my reps and everything were like, no, she's Latin, she's Latin, she's Latin. I decided to take my grandmother's maiden name and her maiden name was Rios. She's right, Panamanian. Right. She was from Panama. And so Excuse me, are you so, supposed to roll that R? You were supposed to, but I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't. That tells you. That tells you a little something about me. Yeah, I can't roll R's either. I, I can't roll that R, but my grandmother, man, she, she could do it, no problem. Uh, yeah, it's funny, but you mentioned that because, of course, there's a gag, and I think it's the very first episode of the new show, The Garcias, where yeah. he talks about coming in rolling his R's. Yeah. Made a whole gag about that. So what's your Richmond connection? I grew up in Newport News. 
went to school in Williamsburg, Virginia. I went to high school in Williamsburg, Virginia. And then I went to uh, to VCU for theater and trained with the wonderful and brilliant Gary Hopper. Right. And Gary has become a bit of a mentor to my son, wow. uh, to Cooper, who's 15. And oh, please he, tell me he's not going to want to be in theater. He is. <laughs> you know, Why Jerry, can't he be an accountant or an attorney uh, or a doctor, you know? He had no chance. My husband went to Juilliard and is a and is an actor. Footnote. Gigi's husband is Nick Sadler, an accomplished screen actor with credits ranging from Sin of a Woman to Twister and lots of TV. And here I am, and he really had no no chance. <laughs> So So how did you end up in L.A.? So, well, I first went to uh, Chicago because I couldn't decide between New York and L.A. And so I thought I'd split the difference. I go, I'll go to Chicago. Uh I wasn't landing the roles the way that I had anticipated what I was doing quite well at was doing industrials. And then I moved to Los Angeles. Right. Now, before we get to Los Angeles. Surprise guest drop in. Hello, hello. <laughs> For the people who can't see, this is a surprise guest is Andy Hawks, or Andrew Hawks. Footnote. Andrew Hawks has been a successful L.A. actor for stage and screen for many years. His credits include numerous TV shows, plus video games like Call of Duty. You're in the Richmond native too, aren't you, Andy? I was born in Texas, but I was in Richmond for 13 years through junior high, high school, and college. Which is where you met Gigi. That is, first day of school. And he was not too nice to me, Jerry, the first day of school. Please tell. I didn't know where I was going, right? No one knew. It was the first day. And I was like, and I said, and I go, do you know if this is where we go to for acting? And he just kind of looked at me and goes, uh, yeah. (laughs) 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 I had no idea either. And then we went on to date for like four years or something like that. The first person I ran into was Gigi, and she was a, uh, you know, it was uh, after summer, and Gigi can tan like nobody's. <laughs> and I had never seen anything like her before. I was like, oh my gosh, she's so exotic. And look at this. She's like, so I was probably dumbfounded. So oh, like, there you go. That's the way out. Okay. I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> And how about this, Jerry? Andy and Sasha are godparents to my son. Wow, that's how about great. That? Yeah. So, Andy, what are some of the things you remember about your uh, experiences with Gigi? We had intro to drama and a art history class that we had to take. And not a single one of us showed up to class or knew what we were doing. But Gigi would run these study groups. And it wasn't Gigi running these study groups. It was Gigi actually teaching us clip notes on how to pass her tests. She she's literally responsible for at least getting us into our sophomore year. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there was a production of Three Sisters, but Gigi got cast and Dan Ruth got cast and they got cast as roving gypsies and they're coming around and they're playing music. They're poor, they're begging for pennies and uh, or rubles. I guess would be the yeah. right terminology. And she's begging for coins and singing her little heart out. And as they move off, she drops all of the coins. Oh, great. And then she walks off stage. And I'm sitting there we're all going, listen, you're begging for coins. You're obviously, it's a rough time in Russia at that point. You're starving. And then you left all the coins on stage. And she was like, I didn't know what to do. That is why I am a writer and not an yeah. actor. Exactly. <laughs> She was probably pound for pound. She was probably our best actor there at VCU. She was a killer. 
and Gigi and I went to Chicago together. She was working at a comedy club there and I was doing the theater scene there. And we split up during that period. But after a while, we're still tight friends. Well, give us the dirt. Come on, Andy. Give us the dirt now. (laughs) Which dirt you want, (laughs) The most salacious dirt I can put on the radio. You know, it's so funny looking back at those times, and it actually wasn't quite as wild as maybe we remember it. It was a little more pure, a little more innocent uh, (laughs) theater nerds who were, you know, probably weren't that great in athletics in high school because we were staying in our room singing the full cast recording of Pippin a little bit. (laughs) Well, now, real quickly, I want to throw in there, uh, Andy, I mean, your IMDb has got just about, you know, every TV show that's ever been done and lots of video game voices. How did you get into that gig? That was a stroke of incredible luck. A a very good friend of mine named Laura Neely, who's a fantastic actor. Her husband worked at a company and they were doing the Black Ops games, but they just started doing full body capture. So basically it was digital sensors, a thousand of them around in an empty space. And we wear the black bodysuits and then we had metallic reflectors, basically. But I got that through him. And then you did Call of Duty, of course, which is the big name. The biggest, yeah. When you see it at the end, it's your body, voice, and face, but it's then been digitized. So it's pretty kind of crazy. Well, thank you so much, Andy, for dropping in. Thank you, guys. Yes, love and you. give the family our love, please, honey. Oh, yeah. Perfect timing there. He came in right as we were headed to L.A. Yeah. So how did you end up in L.A.? After you and Andy split up and you had to get as far away from it as possible. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, where can I go? Where can I go? Oh, Los Angeles. I was very much part of the comedy club scene and lots of really top-notch comedians went through there. I was very good friends with Brian Regan and Ray Romano and Richard Jenny and the late Bill Hicks and the owner of the comedy club let me stay at his place that he had. You know, And I was there literally two weeks before the earthquake hit. Oh, wow. In, in 94, I believe. It was, I was like, what is going on? You know? Welcome and, to LA. Uh, yeah, welcome to LA. Exactly. <laughs> You got tired of acting. Why was that? Because I was going out for the maid. I was going out for the the nanny. The stereotypical Latin character. Totally. And they would always say, can you do that with an accent? And I was like, I don't even speak Spanish, first of all. And (laughs) second of all, no. Like what? I was so offended by this. The story of your first screenplay is pretty interesting. Tell us how you came to write your first script. At the time, I had met my husband, and I told him the story of how my mother, when I was in high school, met Alex Van Halen, and she didn't know it. Nick said, that's hysterical. You should write that down. And what was it called again? It was called Everybody Wants Some. And I have to back up just a little bit. When I wrote this, I was a writer's assistant. There's a difference between being a writer's assistant in in the writer's room and being an assistant for a writer. And I was an assistant for a writer on Everybody Loves Raymond. Which means what? Which means I was just his personal assistant, basically. You didn't have anything to do with writing at that point. You were just getting him coffee and scheduling his appointments. Exactly. I had known Ray, like I said, through the comedy club circuit. Anyway, my friend Dan gave it to his agent and he said, I read this. I love it. I want you to meet someone who I think would really understand this script. He set a meeting with someone. Her name was Ali Shermer. So I met with her and she at the time was the president of production at Universal. 
And she said, I love this script. I think it's so good. You have a fresh voice. I want to set you up with Mark Platt, who, if, if people don't know, is uh, Ben Platt's father. Right. And Mark was a, a producer and he produced all of the Legally Blondes and, and a, just a bunch of other stuff. So I met with that company and I was in the game. And speaking of which, Everybody Wants Them never got made. Never got made. So then after that, the next big thing for you was at Nickelodeon for The Brothers Garcia. Footnote. The Brothers Garcia ran from 2000 to 2004 on Nickelodeon and was the first English language comedy with an all Latin cast and creative team. I had written another movie called Public Emily. And funny enough, it was just optioned a couple of months ago wow. uh, by a company called AGC. And so they are in the hopes going to make it. Point is that script took forever and now hopefully it'll, it'll be made. I knew after I wrote Public Emily and I was again taking lots of meetings and everyone liked it and all right. of this, I thought I need to make some money doing this. I can't right, just like right. be writing, you know, in a vacuum. And Jeff Valdez, who was one of the creators of the Brothers Garcia and also of the Garcias, he read it. And I, and funny enough, I knew Jeff because he was a comedian and he really loved Public Emily. And he said, I can't buy it. But what I can do, he said, I have a show on Nickelodeon. And if you let me run with Public Emily, I'll give you a job as a staff writer on the Brothers Garcia. And so I joined the writing staff of the Brothers Garcia. And I want to get into the Garcias, which is the current show that just on right? HBO. But first, I just have to ask you, because there was one other movie that you wrote and almost had made, and it has an amazing credentials, was Mercy. Yes, television show. Oh, a TV show. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, we are still crossing fingers for Mercy. Um, oh, really? Great. Well, and the subject is, has become so prevalent in the media now, Alzheimer's. I mean, it's been a, lots of movies and TV shows about it. Indeed. Mercy was inspired by a friend of mine, dear friend of mine, whose husband uh, passed away from early onset Alzheimer's. And her story was so remarkable. So I wrote it, really put my heart on the page for that. And it's a dark comedy, believe it or not. It's, wow. it's actually quite funny. So Killer Films got a hold of it and really were very effusive about it and loved it. There was somebody in that that we've kind of heard of. <laughs> yeah, there was somebody who attached herself to it, uh, Olivia Colman. Again, it just goes to show you in this business, even with those big names, we couldn't pull it across the finish line. She then got the crown. And so that really took her away. And, and she felt like she couldn't stay connected to Mercy because of her schedule, and which is completely understandable. Sure. And I've heard of The Crown. Seems to me I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. It's a little <laughs> show called The Crown. Right. Uh, yeah. I was really disheartened that we had to kind of walk away from it. But again, a, a producer's always said to me, nothing is ever over. It's just over there. So hopefully we will be able to bring it back up. Who lives in my town is Anne Hathaway. And oh. I would love for her to do it. And so I'm trying to run into her <laughs> in different <laughs> places. <laughs> So now let's get to the reason we're here, essentially, is the Garcias. What's your involvement in the show? I'm a writer on the show. 
So Jeff, what he did was he, he called and he said, Hey, we're getting the band back together. And I said, I don't know what that means. And he said, <laughs> we, he said, because of all the reboots that were happening, they were interested in the brothers Garcia. And what the premise was that, you know, it was like in all of these shows, the kids are now parents. The parents from back in the day are now grandparents. And we right. have a new bunch of kids. And six of the original casters in this reboot. That's exactly right. That's exactly, everybody came back. We started writing it in 2021 of last year. So it was last April. So and yeah. It was interesting because I know that it, it, you still had uh, lots of COVID protocols because during the credits for each episode, it's kind of fun. They show behind the scenes and everybody's wearing their masks and you actually yeah. see the location. Speaking of which, that location in Puerto Aventuras, is that right? Yes. That's right. It's that's amazing. Right. Look, did you ever, as a writer, get to go down there and do a little research, I, I hope? I did indeed. I went down myself and one of the other writers. There were only four writers. Just a quick aside, that's quite unusual. But right now for streamers, there's so much content right. that the writer's rooms are quite small. It used to be anywhere from 10 to 12 to 15 people in a room are now anywhere from three to five. So we were four. I was the only woman. Jeff wanted us to go down before we started to break stories to kind of get a feel for the lay of the land, basically, so that we knew where we were going to put our characters. We were down there for 10 days. It was beautiful. as Gorgeous, you can see. I mean, yeah. it, it really does film quite nicely. And uh, we went through the house. And so none of it was done on a soundstage. It was all done on location. None of it was done on a soundstage. Wow, well, that's a challenge. Yeah. And not to mention the heat. They started filming in August and it was hot. And that particular house, the Garcia house, you know, we all know that that we love our air condition, right? Yeah. But down there, they don't have air condition. Yeah. And so that house would just bake uh, because of all of the lights that they would have to put um, up and everything. So it was quite the challenge. Now, let me ask you this. I've seen the first three episodes, number three of which, of course, you wrote. Predominantly, they speak in English, but occasionally yeah. they throw in some Spanish phrases. How did y'all decide, okay, we'll make this Spanish and we'll keep this English, or does it just evolve? We were instructed that we needed to put some Spanish in the script. Nizia, who plays Anna, she probably uses the Spanish the most. She would color up the, the dialogue and it would it was very funny. And George's character, he, he's torn between being Mexican and being American. He, he thinks- And he's actually Puerto Rican too, right? And he's actually Puerto Rican. He's Puerto Rican <laughs> and Mexican. But we knew that that was going to be a storyline that he was torn, right? And and I have to say, I identified with that because I'm- Well, I, I'm, I can say you say that because you said at the beginning of this interview, you don't even speak Spanish. And he said, I don't speak Spanish. Exactly. I don't speak Spanish. And, you know, nowadays, is, you know, like the Latinx culture and all of this. And I'm kind of like, well, I was not really a part of that. So am I a part of it? You know, you, you question a lot of pieces and that's where George is at. Now, let me ask you, because you said Latinx and I noticed in the, I think, first episode, they say Latinx. And I've heard from some people that people who are actually of Latin descent don't like that phrase. That is exactly right. And it's just another label that they feel that they don't identify with. The attempt is to be inclusive. So when people are lumped all together and they're like, oh, well, you're Latin. It's like, well, no, I'm Mexican. And Cuban people are like, well, no, I'm Cuban or I'm Panamanian, you know? Sure. Instead of it being sometimes for some people being inclusive, they feel like they're kind of whitewashed. And now even people are using Latin and that's in this L-A-T-I-N-E. And that's another kind of newer phrasing than Latinx, but it can kind of be confusing at times. Right, right, right. Now- <laughs> 
Are there specific characters that you take more ownership of or are more responsible for, or do you just kind of write your episodes? I had a real affinity for Sonia and Ray. Clarify which two characters. Yes, uh, uh, Sonia is the is the grandmother, and Ray is the grandfather. Right, right. And they were the parents, obviously, and the brothers Garcia. And I knew that whatever I would write towards their characters, that they could land it. They would have no problem landing the jokes, the heart, all of it. And the brothers Garcia, it was on Nickelodeon, so it had more of a kid feel to it right. than the brothers Garcia does. And so keeping with that theme, the parents in the brothers Garcia were always very, very much in love, very perfect. And that kind of bumped me a little bit. I said, I think we should get them out of the perfect zone. And I'd like to see them start to not be on the same page. Which is interesting because obviously episode three, which is the one you wrote, yeah. their story becomes very strong in that episode. And as you write, there is comedy and very much heart in that episode. So you put it all on the page or on the screen, I guess. Indeed, indeed. And it was very important that Sonia start to lie to Ray. And it's nothing that's going to, you know, obviously hurt be hurtful. But the fact that she's lying to him is significant. Like I said, I was the only woman in the room. And I said, I would really like for this character to not give up who she was. She was a, she was a stylist. She was a, a, you know, she had her own salon. And don't, so, don't spoil anything. No, no, no. I shan't. I shan't. I'll stop right there. But the, the point is that because of what she wants, she has to compromise her relationship with her husband. Uh, and I wrote episode 108, and that also focuses on Ray and Sonia. So I really gravitated to, to those characters, right, very right, much right, so. Right. You know, obviously you're a writer on the show. Have you ever attempted to write a little part in there for Gigi to show up? In <laughs> you know, it's so funny you should say that. It ended up that Jeff Valdez, he's actually in the second episode. He wrote himself in as the priest. He's oh, the okay. priest. You know, I don't know if he would be opposed. I can always come back to him going, well, you put yourself in as the priest. I'd like to put myself in as the CEO or, you know. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Like well, that. yeah, it's interesting you talk about those two characters because obviously if these people worked together, what was it, 20 years ago right. on Nickelodeon to come back, it must have been great for them. And they have already established some chemistry there and some love for each other. They didn't miss a beat. It was like a day didn't didn't pass. Uh, the kids grew up with one another and now they're back in each other's lives on a different level. And funny enough, the characters of George, Carlos and Lorena, they have kids on the show, but in real life, none of them have children. Oh, wow. And they'll see that there's going to start to be a crack also in the, the Carlos and George relationship. The two brothers. The two brothers. And, it, and it's something that turns very significant as the series plays through. I was talking to Bobby, uh, who plays George, and he said, it, because in my episode, it, it ramps up a little right, bit more. Right. He said, uh, Gigi, I just have to tell you, um, that scene for me with kind of icing him out and then where it comes back around at the end, he said, I was really moved by it. I've known Jeffrey, what seems to be like all of my life. So it really did feel like I was having this really chasm with my brother. And he said, and it really did hurt me. And it comes through. I mean, I felt that moment in the show too. They do a beautiful job. So I think that them having that history lends itself to the authenticity of the emotion. Now, the one question I always ask everybody before the show is over is, what are you watching right now? I love Julia. Love Julia. Love, cannot wait 
for hacks to return. And they're going to be on tour this season. Oh, really? They're leaving Vegas and they're, she's going on tour. The two oh. of them are going to tour together. That's right. That's right. That's right. Of course. I mean, I know it's probably cliche, but love Ted Lasso. I just think right. that that, you know, um, and I love the sex lives of college girls by Mindy Kaling. I think that was that great that's too. Fantastic. Yeah. The shows that have comedy and then heart to them really resonate with me. I'm oh, really wow. not a, uh, I mean, I do like my dramas, but I'm really not a straight up drama girl or straight up comedy. You know, I just, I love the the messiness of both that blend both. So those are it. I just actually dropped my review today. You talk about comedy and drama is The Outlaws, which is a BBC series that just dropped on Amazon Prime. Steve Merchant, you know who he is, uh-huh. right? Yes, I love Steve Merchant. He yes. wrote it and he stars in it along with Christopher Walken, who is hilarious. It's six people who are doing community service. They've been, they've all had a crime of some sort and they're all gathered together to do this. Uh, it's in Bristol, England. Chris Walken is the American granddad of one of somebody. That's why he's there and he's great in it. And then it becomes a dra- a crime drama. Oh, I will definitely tune in. And, and especially the outlaws because he is our neighbor, uh, one town over, Mr. Christopher Walken. Yes. Oh, wow. Cool. He lives cool. In, a, in the little town of Weston. Uh, and just a quick thing about Christopher Walken that I read one time. <laughs> You know, because of the cadence of his voice. And uh, they said, well, what, how do you choose a role or how do you learn your lines? And he said, well, I get the script and I take out all of the punctuation. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I learned That's my line. Great, great. He takes out all the punctuation. Uh, the other show he's in right now is um, Severance. I watched because I felt like uh, I was in, so I had to watch it. And uh, did you make yeah, it do the whole was- thing? I did. I just needed to see how it it it, it left me cold. I again, yeah. I uh, I didn't did, love that. Didn't do it for me. No, no. It was beautiful. It was cool looking at. You know, the visuals were amazing. And it's an interesting idea. It yeah, just yeah. never. I just for me. Oh, another show that I just love is Succession. You know, I oh, love course. Succession. Right, right. And it's like I don't need to love the characters, but they have to be interesting. And that's where I feel like. Severance didn't work for me because I just didn't find the characters all that interesting, unlike Succession, which, you know, and Righteous Gemstones, too. I mean, oh, those, that's great, those too. Are just... This has been great fun to catch up after, what, 30, 40 years? Oh, Jerry, this has been a, such a delight. I can't tell you how honored I am to be on your podcast. You're doing great things, and you're you're just such a staple and a treasure for Richmond. So I am so honored to be a part of this. Well, thank you so much, and uh, you have a good Easter. You do the same, my friend. The first three episodes of The Garcias, including Gigi's episode number three, dropped on HBO Max on April 14th, with the additional seven episodes airing weekly. There are links to Gigi's work as well as reviews of the shows we just talked about, plus photos on the Sifter webpage at tvjerry.com. Coming soon. In theaters. The unbearable weight of massive talent, Nicolas Cage, plays himself, who's hired by a billionaire to make an appearance at a birthday party. But things go dark. The Northman, from Robert Eggers, the director of The Witch and The Lighthouse. This Viking epic stars Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, Ethan Hawke, Willem Dafoe, Anya Taylor-Joy, and Bjork. The Bad Guys, an animated film featuring a lineup of notorious animal criminals who try to become model citizens, or do they? TV and streaming. On the 20th, Russian Doll on Netflix, Natasha Leone's Time Loop series in season two with Annie Murphy added to the cast. 
On the 21st, The Flight Attendant returns to HBO Max with Kaylee Cuoco returning in the title role. She's sober now and in LA, but she gets involved with the CIA and travels to Europe. On Apple, They Call Me Magic, as in Johnson, a biopic. Also on the 22nd on Netflix, Heartstopper, a coming-of-age romance between two boys at a British school, based on the popular graphic novel. On the 24th on HBO, The Baby. A woman is upset that her friends are all having babies until she suddenly finds herself with one and it turns into a surreal horror show. Also on HBO, the third season of Barry with Bill Hader as a hitman actor. On Epics, Billy the Kid follows the legendary outlaw from his days in Ireland to the inevitable Wild West. On the 25th on Showtime, The Man Who Fell to Earth, from the original movie about an alien on our planet, starring Chiwetel Ejiofor and Naomi Harris. On the 25th on Stars, Gaslit. This new Watergate series stars Julia Roberts as Martha Mitchell and Sean Penn as her husband. On the 25th on HBO, We Own This City. David Simon, the creator of The Wire, covers Baltimore's Gun Trace Track Force and includes some lesser-known cast members from The Wire. On the 26th, Peacock launches Preaching Evil, a look at Warren Jeffs, the cult leader of the polygamous branch of the Latter-day Saints. Next week, meet a local actor who's playing a first lady in the new Showtime series of the same name. This is Jerry William. See you then. For more Sister, including literally thousands, thousands of, of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.